Hello and welcome to Personally Invested. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. Today we have a really interesting topic. We've talked about on the podcast in previous episodes about stocks and bonds and large global markets, but one of the things that is actually closest to home with investors, and it is actually their home, it's real estate. And so today I'm joined by Michael Kitt, who is the head of real estate investments at RBC Global Asset Management. Michael's worked throughout his career with large institutional investors, always around real estate. He worked with a teacher's pension plan, OMERS. And what Michael has always wanted to do is effectively bring pension-style investing to everyday investors. As he says it, democratizing institutional investing and adding an edge to retail investors' portfolios that have previously been reserved for just the largest investors worldwide. I think you'll find this discussion absolutely fascinating. Michael, welcome to uh, Personally Invested. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And, and, and this, is a, this is a topic and an area that so many people are interested in and that so many Canadians uh, in particular, and most of, the, most of the people that listen to this particular podcast are, are Canadian investors. Yeah. Uh, and obviously what's happened in, in real estate markets is, uh, is, is the talk of every dinner party, every family gathering, any, anytime you get together. And I, I'm sure that's your experience as well, particularly being an, an expert in the area. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone has real estate in their life in some form or another. They live in a house and, or they rent a house or they own a house or they have a child that's buying a house or they have a family member they're lending money to to buy something. And so real estate is a is a big part of everyone's life in some way. Um, and it's been a big part of my life. I've, uh, I've always been around the industry and I've always believed that it had a, a role in, in, a, in, a, in a person's or an institution's portfolio. Uh, and that was right, right from my university days. Really? So, so right out of, right out of school, yep. uh, that, that was the direction you headed. Now, was, was it an, an investment business interest or was it more specifically right into the real estate business? It was, um, I, I'd worked for an advisor coming out of university and that advisory um, company helped uh, certain pension funds actually in Manitoba uh, with their overall portfolio. So much like GAM performed that service, uh, uh, so I got to know how pension funds thought about uh, these were mortgages specifically, yeah. and uh, and I and I started to understand how mortgages fit within an institutional uh, investment program and and the benefits that that had, and that quickly led to thinking about well, where would real estate equity fit, um, and how would that work? And so I actually went back to school uh, to become a university professor, and I wrote a oh, really? I wrote a course uh, about why institutions should invest in in real estate uh, so this would have been you know 25 to 30 years ago and uh, uh, so I you know I, I became a believer uh, uh, you know teachers I don't know what the saying exactly is but usually when you can't do you teach you teach yeah and so I um, you know the course was was basic but but compelling and um, my relationships in Manitoba then translated to a, a job in Toronto. They pulled me out of that program. Uh, I was teaching actually at York University. And um, uh, they said, let's actually, we want to start a real estate program here. And so let's do that. It was at, at Ontario Teachers. 
So 16 years later, um, through that teacher's um, journey, we had created a, um, a platform for them that included some of the very best assets in Canada um, and really strengthened their, their investment program overall. And then that led to a, uh, another role at Ontario Municipal Employee Retirement Fund, OMERS, and their real estate sub for another 11 years. So, you know, all told, the 30-year journey um, has, has been all about getting um, great real estate investments into, into institutional portfolios. Wow, and so so you, you grew up in Winnipeg, and yeah, yeah, I still have family there, uh, a brother and a wonderful family and a mom. So uh, yeah, it's it's a city that's uh, near and dear to my heart. Great friends, um, a wonderful business community, uh, and still Absolutely. to this day very supportive. So yeah, I love Winnipeg. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. So yeah, I, well, not, I, not, I'm not a good uh, <laughs> not a good person to be with right now on the, on on this. So sorry about that. But yeah, yeah, it is it is a great community, and and, and what's remarkable is is that the the stability of the real estate market in in a place like Winnipeg versus you know what we see in particularly on the on the um, the personal front. Uh, yeah. Places like Vancouver and Toronto, or, yeah. or, or even what you see in in Saskatoon yeah. or or Regina over the last decade at different points in time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, uh, people. I mean, you make a good point because people often throw a blanket statement about real estate. Yeah, but really, um, that's just like saying you invest in stocks. Well, actually, there's a secondary set of questions, and that is, you know, what kind of stocks and and why. It's the same question with real estate. If you're a real estate investor, um, that isn't enough to describe yourself. You really have to get into the what you invest in and why and and where. Um, because real estate, if you look at it truly as an investment class, is 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 just as complicated and 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 offers just as much opportunity to those who dig as as uh, the stock and bond markets do. And so it's it's been a really um, it's been a really rich investment environment where you build some relationships and you get to know these cities and locations intimately over time. You get to know tenants, you get to know demand drivers, and pretty soon you can come up with an investment thesis, um, not just that works in Canada, but also that works globally because these, these ideas are transferable. Um, and you can really construct some wonderful opportunities to invest. Um, and yeah. so it becomes do, do you think that's access. one of the main misconceptions that people have about real estate? That's a pretty narrow, narrow market, you know, houses, buildings, but there's, there's, but as you say, there's a depth and breadth that you really have to, 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 to really understand pretty much from the ground up, uh, to really be successful and to help build the right portfolios for your clients. Yeah. I don't know that it's a lack of understanding. I think it's a, it's been a lack of access. Uh, you know, there, there are shopping centers in Toronto that are worth three, four billion dollars. Wow. So when an asset is worth something like that, you know, how many can access or how many can own? Um, whereas individual investors have always been able to buy a share of the Royal Bank or buy a share of, uh, of, a, uh, of another operating company like Amazon. And, and so having that access means you can become familiar and there's a reason for you to become familiar. If you don't have access to a, a big shopping center or a big office building, or a big apartment building. Well, then you you have no reason to become familiar with the of how it works and what it's worth and 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 uh, and and how it belong what how it should belong in an investment portfolio. So, if 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 you can create the access points for investors and give them a reason to want to understand how it works, 
really that's what they're waiting for. There's a there's a uh, a large demand from from the individual client base and from the institutional client base where um, if you give them access that they haven't had otherwise, um, they're very willing to hear the story and and understand very quickly how how real estate um, if, if 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 properly set up. Um, how it benefits the, how it can benefit their portfolio. And, and I, I definitely want to get into the, the, the way uh, real estate does fit in uh, to a traditional portfolio, uh, the way most uh, retail investors would, would, would build a portfolio. But, but I want to focus in on this access point. Yep. Uh, because as I've talked to uh, Dan Chornis, who is the Chief Investment Officer uh, at RBC Global Asset Management uh, when, when we, we taped a podcast with him. We, we, we really talked about there, there's just certain areas of the market that, that again, are, are somewhat misunderstood, some, some, sometimes because of the, the lack of access, as you suggest. I, yeah. I, I can't just go out. I, I don't have $3 billion to, right. buy a, to buy a nice shopping mall, but right. I, could, I could buy a little bit of it. Um, but that you've got to have, you, you have to have the right people with the right experience and background and access to the information to know how to build those portfolios and put those deals together yeah. uh, to actually provide access uh, to the small investor. Yeah. And what is it, uh, so as we've talked about your education background, but you learned, I take it a lot at, uh, at, at, at Omer's and, and the other parts of your background that, that really really showed you what the key is to making the right choices, how to put together those deals and, and to get access to investors. Yeah. And, and again, it's not, it's not a complicated industry. It it really is as basic as, as, as finding a well-located asset, whether it's residential or industrial or retail or office, the principles are, are all the same. And, and, uh, and, and the principles relate directly to, do tenants want to live there or work there or occupy the space? And what are they willing to pay and what they're willing to pay? How does that relate to the price that you're paying for the asset? And it's a very, um, a very basic um, uh, uh, financial investment uh, opportunity. Um, but it was because of the lot sizes, because of the, uh, the level of value, the value level of each of the individual assets, it, it really was the domain of the large private investors, uh, which really became the domain of the large public institutions, actually. They, they recognized the opportunity while I was at Teachers and Omers to move into this space because they saw, they saw access as very difficult. So if they could figure out the access point, then they had an advantage and they could earn um, great risk-adjusted returns. And in fact, the real estate component of their portfolios have been um, uh, uh, the most successful uh, component of their overall portfolios by and large uh, for the past 20 years. So they recognized that there were um, exceptional risk-adjusted returns. And yeah, there was, a, there was a price to that access. They had to set up very strong teams and they had to invest in that, those relationships and that knowledge base to establish that access. But once they did that, they really had a captive investment opportunity where they knew that very few could compete against them. And so they were able to assemble these wonderful portfolios that they held for a very, very long time, decades. And they were, they were able to take those opportunities or those ideas and also transport them into the US and into Europe and ultimately into Asia. And, and because they weren't competing with the traditional um, 
you know, the, 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 the efficiency of the public markets, per se. They were still protected by the inefficiency, relative inefficiency yes. of the private, private markets. So if you built a great team and you had some great relationships, you had an advantage and you can make some money. And so, uh, so, so what is, the, I, I believe, the largest real estate investment deal in Canadian history uh, you were just involved in? Uh, describe how that came together and, and what uh, investors where, where you're now working at RBC Global Asset Management uh, are going to be able to, both institutional and, and individual investors, are going to be able to uh, to benefit from 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 what you've put together yeah. there. Well, um, so just going back one step, just to under, just to restate it because it's worth restating. Yeah. Uh, let's say 12 months ago, these big transactions were the sole domain of the large institutions, and what these large institutions would do is often partner with each other, and take you know a, a three billion dollar shopping center and say, well, that's even too much for a big institution, so let's go 50-50. Yeah. And you can own 50% and, and I'll own 50% and that way we'll spread the risk. So we thought that that thesis, why not apply that thesis to, to a big institutional portfolio and say, institution, you can own 50% and we're gonna, we're gonna collectively create an opportunity for individuals to actually bring themselves together and be a 50-50 partner with that institution. So effectively democratize what has always been you know, the domain of the large institutions. Yes. Now we've, we've created a, a, an opportunity, really for the first time ever, for those individuals to be shoulder to shoulder as true partners because of the power of the collective, um, to be true 50-50 partners with big institutions on big assets. So effectively, we can be owners, you and I and everyone in the room or everyone listening to this podcast could effectively be a partner on assets they'd never dreamed of being partners on, um, shoulder to shoulder, truly shoulder to shoulder with, an, with another big institution. And, and uh, so, so it's an incredible story. And, uh, it, uh, you know, I, I, I think so many, uh, when I've traveled across Canada and, you know, for the most part, we, we've, we've done, when I've done... Uh, uh, client uh, presentations and large uh, client events, uh, and we talk a lot about stocks and bonds. We talk about real estate just in terms of the the strength of the the, the local real estate market for uh, for people's houses and that. And people come and always ask questions about real estate because they know there's something there, yeah. and they know they should be adding this to their portfolio. But again, it's been so difficult to do. And as you say, you've you've democratized the uh, yeah. the access to this. Yeah. So now uh, retail investors will be able to get access to that through at, at, at RBC uh, through RBC and RBC Global Asset Management. How do you think uh, the, the these types of real estate portfolios and access to this fits with uh, you know someone's traditional bond and and stock portfolio cash they might have uh, in a traditional you know, balanced, conservative, growth-oriented portfolio. Yeah, it, it, it's going to vary um, from individual to individual and, and, and based on their needs. And, um, you know, that that's the value of understanding your own investment program. That's the value of advice, having advice around your own investment program, understanding the, the, the stage in, in your life you're at, the importance of cash flow, the importance of tax-effective yields, the importance of liquidity, um, uh, the, import, the importance of diversification and, and um, uh, what kind of investment horizon you have. So 
bringing all those things together, it, it, it's just impossible to throw a common statement around, here's how real estate fits. But, but let's start with the why real estate fits. Okay. And then and then move on to the how and, and how to execute it. So why? Uh, real estate as an asset class, not REITs, because REITs own real estate, but they're really companies that own real estate and therefore behave like companies. Yeah. It's very different when you invest directly into the real estate asset class. So that's you know challenge number two and all, often misconception number one is that, is that um, people that buy public companies that own real estate think they're adding real estate to their portfolio, but these companies behave like the stock market. They have the volatility characteristics that the stock market has, uh, and often in times of weakness, they, they struggle yeah. because when stock markets pull in, these companies are forced to pull in at exactly the wrong time in this cycle. Yeah. When you should be moving in, they are actually at the lowest point in their ability to raise capital or, or to borrow funds. So there's a lot of volatility and drawdown risk associated with any public company that owns infrastructure or, or real estate or any private asset class. Not that they're bad companies, they just behave like public companies and stocks. Exactly. Yeah. So they do nothing for, to diversify your portfolio. But owning direct real estate in a very diversified way, actually, this is what the institutions quickly caught on to 20 or 30 years ago, is that there's a very, very low correlation, essentially zero to public asset classes. So what you have is an asset class that behaves very differently. So when stock and bond markets are moving one way, this real estate acts as a ballast in your portfolio and really lowers the overall diversification or lowers the overall volatility of your portfolio. That's number one. Number two, um, real estate generally has a positive relationship to inflation, whereas the stock and the bond market struggle with that correlation, often the negative correlation to inflation meaning that um, as inflation um, exists and creeps into the system, often real estate rents um, move up with inflation or inflation protected. And, and the nature of those real estate contracts, the leases that are in place, which are often for a long term, actually build in incremental rent increases to protect the owner from inflation. So what you have is an asset class that actually offers a little bit of inflation hedging protection. Is it perfect? But it's one asset class that offers that, unlike stocks and bonds that struggle with that, with that, um, with that direct relationship. So you have those two benefits. First of all, diversification through the lower correlation, lowers the volatility of your portfolio. Number two, it has some inflation protection. And number three, it's an asset class that offers a very typically a strong cash flow yield. So it's a cash flow yield that has been historically greater than fixed income. Um, greater than overall dividend yields. And so it's a, an asset class that, that again adds ballast because you're always starting at a, you know, a plus three or a plus four or a plus five, whatever that dividend yield is. And so if you add in lower capital volatility, overall, if you're always starting with a nice strong cash yield every year, you do have, you tend to have very low overall volatility um, through, through, um, um, through your holding period. And then finally, uh, the real estate sector it, it can be tax efficient if, if structured properly. And um, uh, you have a number of expenses that can help, can be flowed through to investors and you create a very tax efficient investment vehicle for, for those that are taxable. So that's a pretty compelling set of reasons for, for the inclusion of real estate in a portfolio. And um, there are a number of technical models used to construct portfolios 
Um, one of the one of the more traditional ones is the they, they refer to it as the efficient frontier. But basically, you you put in all the inputs of the asset classes and you run all these mathematical models and you, it, it, the end result it spits out okay you should invest 30% bonds and 60% yeah. stocks and 10% something so cash and so when you add real estate and you, you ask that model okay how much real estate it always spits out way too much the model is telling you to put 40% in your real estate portfolio and why is because the model is saying well this is a good thing it doesn't yes. move very much it actually generates a great yield, gives you some cash, buy more. That's what the model tells you. Yeah. The problem is access. access. It goes right back to access. Right back to access. People can't do it. And it's not wise to buy. The model isn't telling you buy that one shopping center. The model is telling you to buy a basket. Buy a basket yeah. And people can't find the basket. And so really that's the opportunity that we saw is, is let's, yeah. let's work hard to create the basket for people to, to so, so, so you can take a standard balanced or conservative portfolio that's made up of stock and fixed income from all around the world for example but now add in with this access yeah. to this type of real estate portfolio and in some ways create uh, something that looks like the pension plans of some of the most the best known, sophisticated, like Omer's teachers yep. uh, in in the entire world yep. and, uh, and, at a retail investment level. That's right. And, and in fact, the, these pension plans now over, if you if you rewind the clock back to 20 or 25 years ago, would have had the traditional 60-40 mix, you know, 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Or maybe they would have been 50-50, but they would have been all around that. And then when they started to discover the the positive impacts that these private asset classes had and then they formed those access teams and then they found that they were ready to find opportunities and move into that space so now you fast forward to 25 years to, to today the average private asset class holding of those funds now is pretty close to 50 percent wow so they have almost half of their money in private asset classes and the other half is now stocks and bonds that's stocks and bonds. So they have, they have, they have committed 15, roughly 15%, some as high as 20%, even higher, to real estate, 15, 20% to infrastructure, 10 to 15 to private equity, and then the rest is traditional stocks and bonds. So as, a, as an individual, you're basically playing with half the field if you're only looking at stocks and bonds. Of, of what institutions yeah. can. Yeah. So, the, Michael, just a, just a fascinating discussion. Love to have you back because yeah. there, there's a... We, uh, <laughs> we, scratch we, the surface. We, we, we just scratched the surface, I know, of, uh, of, of how this is going to be, uh, is, is part of really a new frontier uh, for retail investors. And again, we talk mostly about the Canadian market, yeah. uh, but uh, for, for markets all over the world, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sure our, our listeners enjoy it. Thank you very much for all your right. time. Well, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Personally Invested. If you have suggestions for future podcasts, please email us at rbcgampodcasts at rbc.com.